Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, in this week's episodes, our main focus is going to be another question that's come up as I've been discussing difficult or apologetic related questions with my youth. And this question is specifically, hey Christian, do you think gay people should be killed? What about Leviticus 20.13 that literally says gay people should be killed? Now, that's a specific question, and that question specifically creates a tension or is intended to create a tension between our commitment to morality. Obviously, we would all look at a question like that and I think, I hope, say, of course, of course we shouldn't kill gay people. But it also then would create a tension with our commitment to Scripture, or at least it's supposed to. Well, if you believe that, then why don't you take the Bible seriously, or literally, or however you would phrase that. Now, even though that's our specific question, I think there's a bigger discussion to be had here, which is how should we as Christians think biblically about and respond to the LGBTQ community in general? Now, obviously, we're going to be focusing on this question, but That's something to keep in your mind throughout this week as a larger context for this particular discussion. Speaking of context, in order to really understand this question and also how to biblically and appropriately answer it, context is going to be absolutely key and fundamental. Without proper context, we will never arrive at a balanced biblical view of this particular question or this topic in general. And so this week, I want to look at on our Monday, Wednesday, and Friday episodes, three different contexts, which are all important and need to be taken together in order to fully understand what exactly is going on here in Leviticus chapter 20, and also how we should think biblically as Christians about this topic today. So today I want to look at our first context, which is the biblical context. What is the biblical context for this verse in Leviticus 20? I think I've heard it said by Greg Kokel, never read a Bible verse. And it's true because a Bible verse in and of itself can be taken any which way. So we need context. We need to read the verses before and after and even potentially read the books before, to get a sort of running start up to the verse in question. And that's absolutely the case here. And so in order to get a biblical context for what's being discussed here in Leviticus 2013, I first want to take us back to two verses in Genesis, particularly Genesis 1.27 and Genesis 2.24. Now, I'm not going to read those here, but they're fairly well-known verses, and they have to do with God establishing humans as male and female, and also God in Genesis 2.24 establishing the first marriage. Now, if this is an accurate account of the way things happened, 
That means that God is the inventor and the designer, not only of humankind and men and women, respectively, but he's also the designer and the inventor of marriage and sex. We don't often think about it in those terms, but if that's the case, then it answers an important question, which is, what is marriage and sex for? Now, an example I used with my youth is a a laptop. A laptop computer can be used for all sorts of things. Can I use my laptop to drive a nail so I can hang a picture? Yeah, I can. I can do that. Can I use my laptop computer to bludgeon someone? Yeah, I can do that too. Can I use my laptop computer as a coaster? Sure, why not? But are any of those things what a laptop computer is for? I hope your answer is no, because that's not what it's for. What it's for is doing all the tasks associated with computing. And so if we were to look at something like a laptop, and we can obviously distinguish between all kinds of potential uses and the use that it's actually intended for, we should be asking the same question about things that God made. If God made us, if God made marriage, if God made sex, then we should ask what the person who made these things made them for, not just what can we do with them, what should we do with them. And if we read the very next verse in Genesis one twenty-eight, we see that when God made male and female, he told them to be fruitful and multiply. And so at least one major reason of what sex and marriage are for are babies. Now, that is God's design, and we see it laid out here right in Genesis, God's intended design. And as the creator and inventor, he gets say in what these things are for is one man, one woman in marriage for the purpose or the goal of fruitfulness, which would include children. Now, when we bring that context into Leviticus 20, I want us to see a few things. Let's look at the broader context of verse 13, which specifically has to do with homosexuality. If we read verses 10 through 16, what we see is that every one of these verses, and then verses 15 and 16 can be taken together, have to do with condemning different kinds of deviant sexual behavior within the community of God's people in Israel. In verse 10, we see that adultery is condemned. In verse 11, it's incest. In verse 12, it is sexual relationships between extended family members or breaking family bonds. In verse 13, we see homosexuality. In verse 14, it's polygamy. And finally, in verses 15 and 16, it's bestiality. Now, we may look at these as moderns and go, why in the world are they talking about all these things? Why is this in the Bible? We're going to get to that on Wednesday's episode because it's very it's for very specific reasons that these things are listed here. But suffice it to say, when we look at it in its broader context, only one of these verses, verse 13, has anything to do with homosexuality. So is this passage about gay people. It's not. This passage is about sexual activity of any kind 
whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, that goes against or is outside of God's intended design. Which, remember, is one man, one woman in a marriage for the purpose of babies. Every single one of these behaviors listed here in Leviticus 20, 10 through 16, in some way, shape, or form, goes against God's intended design. And therefore, it's condemned. And I want us to see that the passage here is almost formulaic because it reads almost identically in every single case. So we see here that verse 13 is not being treated any differently than any of these other verses. The consequence is the same. The formula is the same. And all involved parties are held accountable the same. And frankly, I want to challenge us as Christians to think about this because that means that God sees any form of sexual behavior that deviates from his plan the same. And so as Christians, we should be challenged to see and think about and treat them all the same as well. In Wednesday's episode, we're going to pick up this discussion with a look at our next context, which is the historical context. I hope you'll join me then.